is up, Pistons fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Three Rings Podcast. My name is Neil Sinha, alongside with Aiden Mulkron and Vinayak Swaroop. And yeah, we are back. We are recording this on Thursday, November 11th. So the day after the Pistons and Kate Cunningham played Jalen Green and the Houston Rockets. So we certainly have a lot to talk about with that game, as well as the past few games. Kate's finally off the minutes restriction um, for one. So quite a bit of updates with the Pistons and the NBA in general. So I guess to get it started, um, what are your guys' general thoughts of the Pistons-Rockets game yesterday? I thought at first the shooting was absolute, absolutely garbage, at least in the beginning, but they kind of picked up. It kind of picked up over over the course of the game. And obviously the game was about Jalen and Jalen Green and Kate Cunningham, but um players showed out. I thought Jeremy Grant, you know, he had himself quite the game. He needed that game. I feel like he'd been kind of struggling, especially in that Brooklyn game. Jeremy Grant was really cool from this. So it was really good to see Grant, you know, get back in his rhythm. But overall, a, a solid game. Two teams who are, you know, likely not going to be making the playoffs, probably going to be uh tanking for Banchiro or Holmgren or whoever you want in the draft class. But um Overall, just a great game, and obviously Pistons dub is good, and I think we'll get into it, but I think Cade outplayed Jalen Green. Yeah, I think it was exciting just because of how they're – I guess they've kind of created a little bit of a, a rivalry of a one-versus-two, and I think I think it was really good for the Pistons as just like a game that they're motivated for because obviously they're still tanking. So having just a game where it's like, let's just get up for this one and just go at it. I think that that was a big deal. And I do think that Cade did outplay Jalen as well. And obviously people will be like, well, Jalen scored more points. But Cade definitely had a lot bigger impact um, just on both sides of the ball. And yeah, Jeremy Grant just, he took over and he did what, you know, a leader does. And yeah, it, it was overall just a fun game to watch. Um, it was ugly at first and the Pistons were really streaky um, in terms of three point shooting. But I think at the, I think at the, uh, the end, it was pretty exciting and the crowd got into it a little bit too. So that, that was fun. Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing I'll say is that, it was good to see the Pistons getting the national attention, you know, from the media and so on, because obviously this is a franchise that doesn't get that very often. And so that was really cool to see that and see, you know, Bleacher Report and House of Highlights posting some of the highlights between Kate and Jalen. So that was cool. Um, I think in general, the game, though, was very indicative of each team's records because the game was tough to watch sometimes just being honest. Like it was, it was quite clear that it was a two and eight team playing one and 10 team because the shooting on both sides was not very good. And we'll talk about this later, but the Pistons shooting was just awful. Um, I mean, there were multiple times where they got wide open looks looks and just could not hit anything. And so, you know, that'll be something that the Pistons are really going to have to work on maybe a trade possibly down the line. Um, but I think, yeah, in terms of last night, though, the Pistons got the dub. You know, Cade showed up. He got 20 points. I think I'm not sure if I would say it was his best game yet because I really loved how he played in that Brooklyn game. 
but he did everything that they wanted him to, man. He, he shot the ball well. He was four of eight from three. Um, you know, he, he played well defensively. He got two steals, too. So I think the Pistons have to be happy with that. Um, and I know, Aiden, you kind of already touched on this, but so I guess this question more for Vinayak. Who do you think played better between Jalen Green and Kate Cunningham? Yeah, no, I think I think you have to say. I mean, the team that took the dub kind of kind of kind of says it all. I think Cade played better. Although I, I will give Jalen Green some credit. Like at, at some point in the game, it did feel like Jalen Green was like on takeover mode. I think it was like in the second quarter. He hits a three to make the score like 42 to 35. And like at that moment, he had like six, he had like I think it was like his second or third basket. And it was just like, okay, Jalen Green's heating up and he's really gonna do it to he's really gonna show why he should have been the number one pick. But I just thought it was funny. I thought like when uh, Jalen Green had the dunk and talked to Kate, it was kind of funny how he didn't score for the for the rest of the game. So I just I just it's just like we kind of knew what both players were. And to be fair, both teams kind of need that type of player. So the Pistons with Kate Cunningham now, they kind of need a player like Jalen Green, a player who can score the ball, as we're going to get into because the shooting's been awful. But Houston needs a player like Kate. You know, they have Jalen, they have the scoring but they need a player to, you know, bring it together, which Houston is obviously lacking. And I think one of the more telling parts of this, of their battle was really just towards the end when Cade uh, was playing defense on Jalen, being forced into a couple of air balls. And then the charging call, I think once I got the charging call and I was just like, yeah, we made, we made, we made the right selection. I think, I think any team with the first pick would have taken Cade. I think Jalen Green just kind of, you know, really made it a big drama thing, but um Despite all the talking, which Cade, by the way, did say was for the cameras, I thought that was a really mature. I thought that was a pretty mature way to go about that. I thought I think Cade, Cade outplayed Jalen, and I'm looking forward to them battling an LCA in December. Yeah, I fully agree with that. I mean, I think that this was exactly like you said, what everyone has expected how these two players would play. You know, Jalen's going to put up the points. He's going to shoot a lot of shots, whether he's very efficient or not. You know. Some games maybe he will, some games maybe not. But he's going to score the points. He's a, he's a solid offensive player, but Cade does it all around. He had 20 points. He's a good shooter, um, which he showed. I know he's struggled so far this season, but last night he was pretty good from three. I mean, four for eight. Can't do much better than that. Um, and defensively, he was fantastic. And, I mean, that was the other thing that I want to talk about briefly because, in my opinion, Cade did outplay Jalen Green. Um because the thing about Cade is that he plays defense. Jalen Green does not play defense. I mean, you already know that when Cade's guarding Jalen Green on defense and Jalen Green's guarding Killian Hayes on offense. You know what I mean? And so Jalen's just not a very good defender in the first place. We'll see if that gets better. But, again, I thought it was everything that the scouts and every analyst has been you know, predicting about these two players that, again, Jalen will get you the points. Cade is going to be the all the better all around player and likely probably lead to a better winning formula, just as it was last night with the Pistons winning that game. Um, and so another thing I wanted to ask, by the way, is like, do you guys think that there's like real beef between these two or do you think it's kind of for all the cameras? And also, how do you what do you think of like the way that Cade kind of handled it all? Because he didn't really feed back into what Jalen Green did of talking a lot. He just, he kind of shrugged it off and kept playing his game. I think, I think there is a little bit of beef, but I think it's healthy. 
you know, I, I don't think it's like a toxic kind of beef. They know each other. They've known each other since high school. So I think, I think in that sense, they have like a little bit of like a healthy rivalry. And I think it's more of Jalen Green hating or yeah, like hating the Pistons more than he hates Cade himself. Um, but that being said, I do think uh, Cade does have like a little bit. I mean, he he doesn't really have a chip on his shoulder as much as like he just kind of wants to feed back into it. And I think, like Van Eyck said, that was like mature what he said after the game. And I think it was a little bit of a slight to to Jalen. So I think that that um was kind of funny actually. But yeah, I don't think it's anything like super toxic or like something we should worry about that like if the Rockets beat uh the Pistons in December, that like it's gonna be sticking Cade's head for the rest of the season or anything. But yeah, I can't I can't say the same about Jalen Green though. I think uh I will say like this is me doing a little bit of Instagram detective work work, but like it's interesting. If you look at both of their Instagrams, they follow all the other top draft picks. So Cade follows, you know, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, uh, Scotty Barnes, who he was teammates with. And remember, Cade and Jalen Green were teammates on the USA Select team. Yet Cade and Jalen Green do not follow each other on Instagram, which I know is like, I know it's like not like, <laughs> you guys are laughing. Detective Benite coming out. <laughs> I know that's like, this has been pointed out. I know it's like, that's not like that big of a deal, but it does kind of show that like, Sure, they may have been like friends, I guess, back in the day, because back in the day, rankings didn't really everyone was just still working towards the goal. But now there is some some little competition and Jalen Green was kind of barking at Kate now, although Kate said it was for the cameras. And you actually saw Kate was like kind of laughing it off and talking to Jalen. But um, I think I think there's definitely some uh, some hate, not hatred, but there's definitely some little beef from Jalen's side. I don't think Kate. K doesn't care. He doesn't really have to care. He's the number one pick. His goal isn't Jalen. His goal is to show everyone why he was the number one pick. That's what he's been saying. Jalen, though, has like a, a target on the on the Pistons. He's like, I want to prove why I should have been the number one pick. And if K was the number one pick, he's gonna bark, he's gonna bark at him. But um, yeah, no, it's it's like it's like Aiden said, it's a healthy beef. Although, like, I think there is some tension. I I don't think it's like something that's like this huge thing. But for us fans, it provides entertainment and that's all you can really ask for in the end. Yeah, I fully agree. I definitely think that there's something there, but I'll say, I think it's kind of, it's all kind of all in Jalen's head. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't mean to sound like a biased Pistons fan saying that. I just generally don't think that Cade Cunningham really cares about it. Um, I just think it's mainly Jalen Green who has this all in his head that I have such a big chip on my shoulder. You know, I wasn't the number one pick. I need to prove the Pistons and also the rest of the NBA wrong that I should have been the number one pick. I'm way better than Kate Cunningham and so on. As he should. He should think that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do find it funny though when he talks about this big chip on his shoulder as he's the second overall pick. But I mean, like, the great players do always, you know, find motivating factors that pushes them to another level. So, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing for sure, but I will say, I agree. I think this is good for the fans. It's good for the Pistons, good for the Rockets and good for the NBA in general, because, you know, for example, last night on the ESPN broadcast, they literally had that little score line of next to the Pistons Rockets score. They had Cade Cunningham at whatever point he was at and Jalen Green at whatever point he was at. So I think it's a good thing. 
Um, I just, I love the way that Cade handles everything. I mean, the way he talks, if you've listened to his press conferences, he might be just 20 years old, but he sounds like he's like a 35 year old. Like he's been in the NBA for like 15 years. I mean, the quote that you guys mentioned um, uh, in terms of what he was saying to Jalen Green, he said, it depends on what they're saying. I'll talk, I'll talk to nothing that I heard tonight held any weight. It was all for the cameras, which is a slight jab at Jalen, but you know, it's kind of like saying I'm above that. I'll talk to when I need to, but otherwise I'm going to let my game do the talking, which I really like personally. Um, So I I think Cage is so wise, you know, beyond his years. And I think that's a good sign for the Pistons. But again, the entertainment factor is definitely there with this little rivalry they have. Um, So going to the next question though, uh, you know, this was Cade just his fifth game back from the injury, his fifth game in general in the actual NBA. What have your thoughts been on Cade's start so far this season? Has he, you know, impressed you? Is he like meeting expectations or what? What do you guys think? I think uh I think he's he's been pretty I think he's been pretty solid in terms of what I expected from him. I, I've liked so far how each game he looks more and more comfortable. And I did like the aggressiveness, you know, early on, you know, when he, the threes weren't going down, that he was still shooting. I am not going to lie. Like, I was just, like, begging K to hit a three, especially in the Bucks game when they were just getting blown out. I was like, man, just give me something to be uh, hopeful for. But I think as as the games have gone on, Cade's gone more comfortable, and that's kind of that's kind of scary for the league if you think about it because, like, he's only played, I think, that I think the, the Houston game was his fourth or fifth game. I think like it's kind of a crazy thing that he just keeps on getting better and better. And if you watch him play, even though he's missing, I, I was actually able to see the Nets game in person. And the way he plays, it's like it's so effortless. Like he can get to the I think stuff like about his athleticism has been kind of that's been kind of, you know, people have been overdoing it. I think people are caring way too much because like when you see him play, he, he can get by anyone like he got by Kevin Durant so easily. It was literally just a quick move and he was gone. He also did the same thing to Matisse Tybel, who's probably one of the best defenders in the league or probably going to be first team or second team all defense. He just went right by him. So I think I think it's been as advertised and I'm excited to see him get even better. What's crazy is he's only played four. I'm not sure the exact number four or five games. He's only played this many games and he's already looking he's already looking so comfortable. And I think honestly now like he's probably in the He's probably in the like contention, probably favorite to win rookie. Although I know Mobley and Barnes have been doing their own thing. I will say, watch out for K. That's because as he gets more acclimated to NBA, the better I think his stat line, the better I think he becomes and the Pistons become as a team. Yeah, I think his first game was against Orlando, right? And he had only like two points. And he didn't he didn't hit a single three. I don't think he's hit a single three in a his first two games and but then you saw him against philly and you're like okay like this is this is pretty good he had like a double double and you know uh against brooklyn you know he got yeah progressively got better but i think last night was the night where it's like okay this is the first overall pick and you know this this is the guy we got and you know there's you can tell that there's a lot more in him that is just not tapped yet. And I I think is I think is really exciting. Last, or last night it was really exciting just to see him, you know, he just kind of he just kind of had some times where he just just kind of cooked. 
and just like he just kind of um just like the feel for the game he you could tell he just he felt it a lot better than he did because sometimes in that game against uh philly and the game against brooklyn it, it felt a little bit forced um and obviously jeremy grant having like a really good night last night helps with that just um because he doesn't have to do it all by himself and i think now that he knows you know I'm not the only good player on this team. Like Jeremy can go off for 35. I think I think that also helps um just his confidence in that like if I'm if I'm not having my best game, I can just give it to Jeremy and you know, give him get give myself 10 assists rather than, you know, 30 points. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people wanted to judge Cade very quickly after those first two games where he had two points against Orlando and then six against Milwaukee. And he was also combined 0 of 14 from three in those two. Um, and so, you know, there are all the headlines, a lot of people saying, oh, Jalen should have been the number one pick. Even Stephen A said this on the NBA countdown show yesterday, which by the way, let me just touch on that real quick. I just find it so funny how, you know, a lot of fans and analysts now after the first, literally Cade's first four games or whatever, are all just saying, yeah, Jalen Green should have been the number one pick. But it's like the whole summer, people were clowning the Pistons and Troy Weaver for even doing their due diligence of wanting to take Jalen Green. Because you got to understand, Troy Weaver loved Jalen Green. Pistons fans in general love Jalen Green too. But the consensus for the whole league and every fan was that Cade Cunningham should have been the number one or was going to be the number one pick. And yet now, you know, two weeks into the season or three weeks into the season, everyone's like, oh, no, Jalen Green's better. Cade's a bust. The Pistons should have taken Jalen Green. It's like, you know, slow your roll down. It's it's literally been four or five games. Like, Cade's fine. And again, like you guys have been saying, he's looked way better. You know, in the last two games, he's looked exponentially better than he did his first two games. Um, and he's progressively gotten better. So, I think, I think he's been just fine. Um, you know, anytime you're coming off an injury where he didn't even get to play in the preseason, his training camp was kind of, you know, gone to waste because of that injury too. Um, it's tough to recover from that, but I thought the Pistons did a good job, by the way, with his recovery. They didn't rush him, I don't think, um, even though now he just got off the, the minutes restriction. But, yeah, I think he's looked good. Obviously, there's been the question, by the way, of, like, his pace and how does that work with the Pistons and being in the NBA. But I've been actually a little bit impressed with it because he's kind of – the way Cade works is that he makes everyone else play to his pace. You know what I mean? He kind of slows down the game, but not so that he, like, is caught way behind everyone else. Everyone else has to play to his game, and it works. And so I've been impressed. I thought I think he's looked good, and I think he'll only be getting better because – if he's putting up what he's been putting up while having bad shooting nights, I can't imagine what he's going to do when he's hitting from three. So I think the Pistons have to be pretty happy. Um, but that goes into the next question, though, by the way, because the Pistons offense has been god awful. <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest, they have been so bad. They're dead last in the NBA in points per game right now, and it's not that close. And they're dead last in offensive rating and offensive efficiency as well as three-point field goals. They're dead last at 28.5% as a team from three, as well as field goal percentages. So 
what needs to be done to fix the Pistons? Can anything be done to fix them offensively? Like, how do they get that offense going? I think first they just got to have healthy Cade, and that that's the biggest thing. I think dead last in three-point shooting, um, yeah, it's that's bad. But also, if you if you watch that game last night, they they took I think they took like 15 threes before Houston took like five or six. So they're taking it at a higher clip. So like just that by nature, they're going to have a lower three point percentage. But still, that's not that's not very good. They'll have to up that. Um, But I think having Kate healthy is big and just Killian and Josh Jackson. Like it, it feels like I'm beating my head against a wall whenever I mention them because it's the same problems that we we've always talked about. It's just consistency and like getting Killian a shot and having Josh Jackson, you know, score consistently. So I think those problems will that they'll either work themselves out or they won't, and we'll end up with another top three pick. Um. But fifth, fifth to last in free throw shooting, that's that's just you got to practice that. Like you just, I don't know. There's there's not much more to say, um, than that. Just like we don't have Andre Drummond anymore, so it shouldn't be that bad. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I really got to say about the offense is just having guys healthy and consistency. I will say too. Well, actually, on the Killian note, he actually has gone a little bit. Like, I noticed when his feet are set as, like, a spot-up shooter, it's, like, gotten a lot better than it was last year. But Yeah, no, he has. Yeah, but, like, in general, though, like, uh, there's, like, a couple. So, first of all, like, the team is just, like, ice cold. Even, like, the shooters who they brought in, like, I know Olenek and, like, Trey Lyles have been doing. They've been decent, but, like, they're not hitting it as the clip as they use. One player specifically, uh, Frank Jackson, has been – absolutely ice cold like he's I don't think I've seen him make a three like in a really long time I don't know it's he's been he's been kind of having like a disappointing year I think the team overall has been disappointed and the thing is the Pistons aren't even generating contested actually they are but like in terms of like three-point shots and like mid-range they're actually 14th in the league in terms of like overall separation which isn't like terrible so it kind of comes down to like guys aren't hitting shots some people have mentioned like the switch to the Wilson ball instead of the Spalding Although I don't, I don't think that's like a good excuse. I mean, you're paid all this money to shoot, to shoot basketball. You're paid all this money. And then like the, the shooting averages have gone down around the league, but you're seeing other teams that are able to shoot the ball. So I think that's a concern for the Pistons. They just got to get, they just got to get kind of more used to the ball and just like, as the season goes on, just get better as a team. It's like, I think they have guys capable of hitting those shots. And it's just like Sadiq Bay, for example, a absolute sniper last year he hasn't really had as much of a good three-point season I would say and also just with the Pistons offense um like when Cade wasn't there like and you mentioned like when Cade's there the offense is a little bit better but when Cade wasn't there there was a lot of just like pass it around pass around the key and then it's just the ISO it just ended up being an ISO for the last 10 seconds so that's why the Pistons struggled and they kind of go like it kind of goes with how Jeremy Grant's doing because Jeremy Grant is like your primary option so in the houston game they were kind of just doing that iso stuff and it worked out but like we all watched the first game against the chicago bulls and you guys remember in the clutch like they gave it to jeremy grant and 
like he was obviously he was fatigued obviously from just carrying that just carrying the team and like he couldn't get it done and then the Pistons offense is just kind of in shambles so I do think adding Cade helps but yeah no I just think they got to get the guys together and just keep working on the form you know get John Beeline doing his thing coaching although and I will say this is kind of a going a little bit on a on a little tangent here I don't think I know John Beeline working on the form my people have been scared but I just think it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of weird to like it's kind of bad to you know just say it's John Beeline's fault because you don't even know what he's doing and I don't think they would actually change someone's form like during the season I feel like that would just cause a lot of problems I think I don't think John Beeline's to blame I just think the Pistons overall as a team just like you said and just need to get their act together they just need to start hitting these shots yeah no I definitely think that getting Cade back will help the offense a lot just because he's such a great playmaker and he's a great uh, scorer. And, you know, one thing that I noticed last night too was that in the clutch, it wasn't Jeremy holding onto the ball nonstop. It was Cade. And I think that helps this team so much that now they have actually like two options, you know, or two guys who can create their own shot on offense because initially, kind of like you were saying, Vinayak, um, in that first game of the season, Mike against the Bulls, my God, they just, they looked so bad in the last five minutes. And it wasn't Jeremy's fault because he had already carried them, but they looked so bad because every offensive possession was just Jeremy Grant running around the court, trying to find a shot. And to be fair, some of them he did make, but he had to have been so tired at that point that like, when you get Cade back now, to help burden that load on offense, I think that's going to make them a lot better. And certainly last night, they were able to hold their own at the end of the uh, fourth quarter there and eventually hold on to winning that game. The other thing I'll say is that Sadiq Bay's three-point percentage so far this season is 28%. It has been awful. Um, And I don't know, you know, I know a lot of Pistons fans have been saying that it's because he's trying to do too much now. He's focusing on becoming more of a slasher and so on. Um, and I'm not sure that I really agree with that because I don't think that just means you, you become a worse three-point shooter. Um, but, you know, I think that's something that will fix itself eventually. You, you also got to understand last season he averaged 38% um, from three. So, he, he'll be just fine. I think it's just been a rough start. And I think you could say that about the Pistons in general too. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how they fix the shooting. I will say this has been a question since the preseason though, that the Pistons don't really have many shooters on this team. And so I could see them possibly trading for a shooter, whether or not they do that this year though, just because it's, there's in such a rebuild. I don't know. But, yeah, they, they definitely lack some shooting. I think that'll really unlock the offense and figure it out. Um, and so the next question that I had lined up is, who has been the most surprising, in a good way, uh, player for the Pistons so far this season? Hey, you can go. You can go. That's, that's kind of a tough question to be honest, because a lot of guys who we thought were were going to be good, um, like Hamadou Diallo, kind of played his way out of the rotation. Um, just, yeah, he just hasn't really played that much, and he hasn't really played well. So I think in a good way, 
I, I, I think Killian runs away with it, honestly. Uh, his shooting has been a lot better, and he just looks a lot more confident. He's still, you know, not the best at what he's doing, but I think he has a better three-point percentage than Sadiq Bay right now. But, um, but yeah, he's de- I think he runs away with it. Just offensively, he's been a lot better, and we know what he can do defensively. But again, like guys like Hamadou Diallo uh, played his way out of the rotation. Frank Jackson's kind of starting to do that. Josh Jackson hasn't been that good. And Corey Joseph, I don't know if you like look on Pistons Twitter, but Pistons Twitter has like the biggest love-hate relationship with Corey Joseph. And it's really interesting because he will just make some dumbass plays and then you know he can he can redeem himself with like you know just being a role player and you know just yeah just playing his role but I don't know Vinayak what do you think I see you laughing <laughs> no it's just it's just it's kind of hard because there's been no one like surprise like I can do this I'll do the least disappointing player or the player that I thought was going to be trash and then just didn't wasn't as trash I'd say probably Trey Lyles has been like He's not like good. <laughs> like I'm not gonna say Trey Lyles is good, but like he hasn't been as bad as I thought he would be. You know, when we signed him, like I I had like read about him, like he can't shoot, he can't do all this. But he's actually been. I actually did not know Trey Lyles had the three point shot in his game, and he he can shoot the ball quite okay. He makes some plays that makes me scratch my head, like especially when like he's bringing the ball up the floor. Like who's letting Trey Lyles be your point guard? But that's another topic. But he hasn't been like as terrible as I would have projected. I didn't even expect him to get minutes, but you know, at times there's times when the starters have been really struggling and the bench kind of helps picks it up. And I was thinking maybe saying Kelly Olenek, although I kind of expected, I kind of expected what I'm seeing from Olenek. The obvious answer is probably Killian Hayes, but I want to be different. So let's say, let's say Trey Lyles, you know, he's hitting, he hits a three. He can occasionally play defense and he's not the best at rebounding, but you know, he's, he's a player. He's a player in the NBA and at least he has some value. I'll say that. Well, I mean, that is factual that he is a player in the NBA. (laughs) No one, no one can argue that, (laughs) but no, I mean, I'd have to take, yeah, I'd have to take Killian. I kind of agree with you guys that there hasn't really been any player that's been that surprising, um, you know, or suddenly you look at it and you'd be like, man, they developed like crazy in the offseason. There hasn't really been that player for the Pistons. Um, but I do think Killian's kind of turned around his career a little bit. Um, and again, I know it's been, I mean, he hasn't even played a full season in the NBA yet, but he was at a point in the preseason after the summer league where so many Pistons fans and everyone was saying, this dude is, you know, he's a, he's a scrub. Like, you know, cue that Stephen A. <laughs> Myself included. I think I was the hardest on Killian. And we all, we all, were, we all were. Yeah. But no, I mean, seriously, I think the whole Pistons fans and community was like, cue the Stephen A. Kwame, Kwame Brown speech. You know what I mean? Where he's a scrub. He can't play. Because that, that's how he looked. Killian did not look good last year. He showed a couple flashes, but it just, it didn't look good. And at the beginning of this season, it was the same thing. But I think the last two weeks, he's really kind of figured it out. And I think it kind of coincides with the fact that Cade Cunningham has been back because 
I think K just takes the pressure off Killian so much of being that lead ball handler because now Killian can play that combo guard role of kind of just sitting in the corner, which again, you'd love to see him be more involved offensively and be more aggressive. But I think he's, he's kind of getting more comfortable with the offense and in general being in the NBA. And I, I know one of you mentioned it, but he's actually, he's shooting 38% from three right now. And of course that's only on like an average of one make per game, but his three-point shot isn't bad. And, you know, I think the thing that he needs to work on with that is that he's just, he needs to set his feet. Vinayka, I know you talked about that a little bit earlier, but he cannot take a three off the dribble. He really can't. He's not, that's not his game at all. But when he gets set, he's actually a solid three-point shooter. So if he can work on, you know, his shot off a dribble, I think that'll help his offensive game a lot. But yeah, I think he's like better. He definitely looks a lot more comfortable with this team. And so you have to be happy with that. Of course, though, he needs to show much more improvement for the rest of the season, though. Um, and so then on the flip side of that question, who has been the most disappointing player for the Pistons so far? And I know there's probably quite a few players that you could pick from. Uh, I'll go. I'll say um, I'll go and pick. I'll pick Frank Jackson. I know uh, Diallo is probably going to be one of you guys and probably the fans, but from what I saw from Frank Jackson towards the end of the season, I saw someone who really had like six man of the year potential, Jordan Clarkson type, you know, buckets comes in, hits threes, and he was shooting at like a 40% clip, like at towards the end of last year. And like, he has been in an awful slump, like the whole season. I don't even think there's been, there's only been one time where I think Frank Jackson kind of got into it. And that was like, the game at Philadelphia, but that's like out of, that's like out of 10 games that he's like had like a stretch of like decent, like it was only like a quarter too. So Frank Jackson's just been very, very disappointing. And it's honestly kind of frustrating. We, we may talk about this, that like uh, Dwayne Casey referred to the battle for the minutes between for Hamadou Diallo as a battle between him and Josh Jackson. But what has Frank Jackson done to earn those minutes? Other than the fact that he's a supposed shooter when he can't shoot. I know like, there's like arguments, you know, shooters got to keep shooting and, you know, he's, we need that shooting, but it's like at the same time, like, you know, if you're not hitting shots, like, and you don't, he doesn't play amazing defense and I get the value in stretching the floor, but I just kind of weird to see him get so much, so much more minutes. And yeah, I don't know. He's been, he's been kind of disappointed. And I really do hope he turns around though. Cause he has potential to be a really good player, but that's probably my pick. Bro. It's the buzz cut. And the buzz cuts the reason why he looks like a completely different player now with, with that new haircut. And then he has that mustache, mustache too. I think he needs to, yeah, he needs to grow out the hair and then shave the mustache and we'll be back to last year. <laughs> for sure. Uh, I think for mine, I'm going to go with Josh Jackson and I don't think it's because he's played worse than Frank Jackson or played worse than, like Diallo or like some other guys on the team, but it's just the fact that he hasn't really changed. And you watch preseason and you watch, you know, the opening night versus Chicago or like the first two or three games. And you're like, okay, he's making the extra pass. He like looks like he's a little bit better defensively. Like he, you know, he's using his athleticism to his advantage. And then he just, I don't know he just kind of broke back into his old habits of just, you know, being the old Josh Jackson of, you know, just not using his athleticism to his advantage, taking, 
weird shots, like just in not that great of situations. So I think he's just been disappointing. I don't think he's been like terrible, but he's just the same guy. He hasn't really changed. And obviously we heard off all off season about like how he worked with John B line and like how, you know, he read some, I forgot what book John B line gave him to, to read about, you know, just like changing like your life and like, you know, how to break old habits and stuff. And I just don't think he's really done that. But yeah. Yeah. I would have to go, and this might be a little bit surprising, but I because I think it's something that not, not many people are talking about right now. But I'm gonna go with Isaiah Stewart. I've been extremely, extremely disappointed with Isaiah Stewart. I gotta be honest. Um, you know, the fact is he has the exact same stat line pretty much that he had last year, but now he's the starter. Like I, I don't know how that's even possible where you have the same stat line, but you're getting way more minutes than you do you, you know, he did last year. I don't understand that. And I think a lot of it is possibly to blame on Dwayne Casey, actually, because he's just not involved on the in the offense at all. Like the Pistons have kind of stopped running pick and rolls with Isaiah Stewart, which is just bizarre to me because you know, Killian, as bad as he was last year the one thing he did well was run pick and rolls with Isaiah Stewart. And so I can't believe that they just stopped running that as, as also to mention, by the way, Kate Cunningham was rated as one of the best pick and roll players coming out of college last year. So I don't understand how they're not utilizing those strengths. And yeah, I mean, he's been completely non-existent offensively. He's shooting less threes than he was last year. Not to say Isaiah Stewart's a great three point shooter, but it is nice when you have a center that will take, you know, a couple every game, but he's shooting even less than he did last year, which was already not many. And yeah, offensively, he's just non-existent. And that was certainly the case last night against the Rockets. And defensively, this is something that we had talked about a lot, but he's only six foot eight or six foot nine. He has been out rebounded like crazy. I mean, it has been wild how easy it is to rebound over Isaiah Stewart. And in general, it's a reflection of also the Pistons because they're second to last in the NBA in rebounding. And I think that's has a lot to do with Isaiah Stewart too. And so the rebounding has been bad. He's only averaging seven rebounds a game. When you're a center in the NBA, that can't happen. And a starting center, I should say. And also, um, oh man, what was I going to say? <laughs> uh, I, I completely just blanked. For, oh, okay, yeah. I remember defensively when you put a big guy on him, like for example, in that magic game, Muhammad Bamba completely schooled him and like Bamba's not even good. <laughs> like he, he's just, I don't know. He's, he's really struggled this year. And I think it's a little disappointing. I think in terms of his team chemistry and how he relates to the rest of the guys, um, it's been good because I know they like him a lot and people have been talking about how Isaiah Stewart's kind of become like the heart and soul of the team, which is good. I mean, of course, everyone saw the Brooklyn game where he stood over Blake Griffin. That was a hype picture, by the way. I really like that. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of his actual game, he has struggled this year. And I think he really needs to turn it around because he was a player that, you know, I think all of us were saying he was probably going to be a breakout player this season for the Pistons, but that has not been the case at all. And so, so yeah, like we said, the Pistons, of course, coming off their game against the Rockets, their next games are up against Cleveland, 
um, tomorrow night on Friday, Cleveland with uh, Evan Mobley, the number three pick, who is like really good. And then they get the Raptors and the Kings later. So, you know, Cade, he's just going through the draft order right now against number two, Jalen Green, the number three, Mobley, number four, Scotty Barnes, and then Davion Mitchell a little bit later. So, yeah, what do you guys think of those upcoming games if you want to preview them a little bit? And because, you know, I think these are ones that the Pistons have to win, right? Yeah, I think, I think to a point, yeah. I mean, at least you would want to see Cade do better than their than the counterpart. But I mean, Cleveland is we'll we'll get into like pretender teams. And I, I don't know if Cleveland is like as good as their record, but their record is pretty impressive. They're currently seven and five. And then I think the Raptors, six and six. I mean, they're they're playing some solid teams. The Kings, too. The Kings have more wins if they're five and seven. So I mean their teams, I guess, themselves are better. But um, I'm just looking for Cade to he won't be matched up with Evan Mobley or me maybe match up with Scotty Barnes, but I'm kind of terrified of that Davion Mitchell matchup. I know, I know Cade handled him well in college, but like Davion Mitchell is an absolute pest. So I think there's going to be some moments for, for, you know, for Davion to try to expose uh, Cade like that. But um, just, just for that Cleveland game though, I've been really impressed by Evan. In fact, I actually think I've like been thinking, I've been doing some thinking. I think if the Pistons got the number two pick, I'm not even sure they would have taken Jalen Green. I actually think they may have taken Evan Mobley because let me tell you, I'm a big Mobley guy now. I used to be like team Jalen Green, but like I think Mobley is probably, if it's not Kate, I think Mobley's going to take home rookie of the year. I mean, you just look this, uh, you look at his stat line, look at the things he's doing, the way he's affecting shots. I think he's a phenomenal player. He's going to be one for, for the, for the ages, like as the years goes on. So it is kind of cool though. Uh, I'll just say this one last bit that the number one pick is playing the second pick, the third pick and the fourth pick in like consecutive games. I'm not sure if that's ever happened. So it'll be cool. It'll be cool to see Cade matched up against his uh, fellow draft mates. I think it's hard. It was hard for Cade to just be thrown into the fire kind of in a stretch where outside of Orlando, they played Philly twice, Brooklyn twice, and Milwaukee. So I think I think the fact that like he showed out against Houston last night isn't I mean, like it is a big deal, but also like that's kind of his first like even match game where he's not coming off an injury and like he had some time to practice. So I think Cleveland like Cleveland, uh Indiana toronto sacramento like they're not like do or die like win or lose games i mean if they lose them i don't think it's that big of a deal but you do want to probably get like two or three two or three of those um just under your belt to get a little bit more confidence but obviously the more you lose is the higher the draft picks so there's there's that aspect of it too but just kind of again, like getting getting a feel for the NBA, and just yeah, building confidence is probably the most important part uh, of those the next four games. Yeah, and to kind of go off of that, um, the Pistons' schedule has just been brutal so far. I mean, they've played ten games. Frankly, eight of those 10, 10 games have been against playoff teams. If we're being honest, like the Bulls are definitely a playoff team this year. At least I think. I think it lasts. Um, and the, the other teams that they've played, Brooklyn twice. Philly is a playoff team, even without Ben Simmons. 
you know, Milwaukee certainly is the Hawks. We'll, we'll get into that later possibly, but the Hawks, you know, were a good team last year. So it has been a tough road for the Pistons so far. And that's why I kind of think, you know, contrary to the general belief, but I don't think the season's over for the Pistons yet. I, I get that it's been a rough start and they're two and eight. I understand all that, but these next four games are against four teams that they should be beating, frankly. And I get that Cleveland's been actually pretty good this season. They're seven and five. You know, the Raptors have been solid. They're six and six, six and six also, but these are very winnable games. And frankly, if the Pistons can win all four, they're right back in, you know, in the middle of things and they're, they'll be fine. Um, and so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm very excited for the matchup though, with Cleveland tomorrow, because like you guys have been saying, um, and like, I think everyone in the whole NBA and NBA fans in general are realizing now is that Evan Mobley is a stud. Like the dude can play. He's averaging like 15 points, eight rebounds right now. He is a stud. And yeah, I think that'll be a very fun game to watch, even though I get Mobley and Cade don't really play the same position. It'll be cool to see them going at it. And then Scotty Barnes, too, who is, I think, exceeded every expectation that anyone set for him because he's literally scoring more than he did in college, which you don't really see too often. So that'll be an interesting one. And then also Davion Mitchell guarding Cade will probably be the matchup against the Kings. So that'll be fun to watch, too. But yeah, very winnable games coming up for the Pistons. And frankly, if they want to get their season, you know, turn that thing around, they really need to at least, I think, have a winning record in these games. If they go two and two, that's fine. But if they have a losing record, I think you literally already start thinking about draft picks, which I think already a lot of Pistons fans already are right now. Um, And so to wrap up this episode, um, because I know this has been a very Pistons heavy episode in terms of content. And that's just been because there's been, you know, so much news with the Pistons recently. Um, we're going to do just a quick question because obviously it's only been 11, 12 games into the season right now, but there's been some teams that have risen to the top of the, the uh, standings that maybe you wouldn't expect. So who, which team is the biggest pretender in the NBA right now? And you can take that, by the way, however you want. You know, it can be a team maybe in the bottom of the playoffs even. It doesn't matter. Uh, I got I got two teams. One of them is going to kind of shock. Actually, I don't know if I, if I want to say that team. But uh, I'll, give, I'll give the first one. So uh, I kind of alluded to it. I think Cleveland. Say it. Say it. Oh, yeah. I will. I will, I will I'll, I'll save that one for last. But I think Cleveland at seven and five is a uh, – I don't see – I like. I understand, like, you know, it is working with Mobley and – you know, Sexton and Garland, but I feel like I've seen this story before. This literally happened last year. The The Cavaliers were hovering around 500, potentially making a playoff run. And then for some reason, something just goes wrong. And then they're next thing you know, they're just back up with the Pistons and, or just, you know, just not being that good. So I don't know if the, the Cavaliers are going to be around right now. They're like with the heat and the Knicks and the Bucks. I think those teams are just a little bit more complete than the Cavs. That is not to say that the Cavs won't be like in the playoff hunt. They could, but I just don't see them like, you know, getting getting one of those spots to at least not be in the play. And I think if they do make the plays, it'll be like at the seven through seven through ten range for sure. And then the next one, this is gonna kind of shock someone. Uh, I'm gonna say it though. I don't think though, I know the Warriors are 10 and 1 and they look really good, but I'm sorry, I just don't see them winning the chance. I know Steph is playing MVP level, but like part of me just just thinks that 
a team that's just over reliant on one player. And there have been players that stepped up. Wiggins has stepped up. Jordan Poole has stepped up. They're hopefully going to get Clay Thompson back. But like, it's just hard for me to think because we saw this last year with the Warriors when they played the Grizzlies. It was just Steph versus everyone. And it still kind of feels like it's still Steph versus everyone. I know the wins look good, but like, part of me just feels like there's just a more complete team in the Western Conference that I think will ultimately be will ultimately be the one that goes to the finals. But that's me. And that's that's kind of that's really controversial because the Warriors have been playing lights out, phenomenal. But yeah, that that's who I would think is a team. I don't think they're gonna go to the finals. I think the Bulls still. I mean, we've talked about the this. The, yeah, I mean, it's not even hate. I just, I just see so much of like the Raptors, like DeRozan Raptors teams, all over again. Where it's like, yeah, you're gonna be like a two seed or like a three seed, but you're not gonna do anything in the playoffs. And I can totally see that happening again. And the East is pretty much wide open. So if I mean, I don't think they'll finish as a two seed. They'll probably be like, a, like you know, four to six or seven range. But if they're in like a four, if they're in like a four or five playoff series with a team like Philly, I think they could get swept. Like if they're if they're in like a three six matchup with, yeah. I mean. Like, I think the Heat are also a little bit of pretenders and just it doesn't really like their team just does not make that much sense to me. Um, just in terms of age and like players like just meshing. So, yeah, I, I say the Bulls and like a little bit of the Heat, but I think they'll both make the playoffs, but they're not going to do anything. Yeah, so I think my main pick will be the Washington Wizards. I get that they're leading the Eastern Conference right now, and they're eight and three, whatever, whatever. This team is not that good. <laughs> like straight up, I'm just gonna be straight up with it. They're not that good. I don't believe in them at all. I mean, you think Corey Kispert makes this team good? Corey Kispert is a bum. He's averaging three points. Uh, like I just I don't believe in the Wizards right now. I like Spencer Dinwiddie. I think he and Bradley Beal are a good pairing actually, but I just I don't see it lasting. I don't know. And I know we've talked about the Wizards quite a bit before, but I just I still don't really understand what the organization is doing. Where you know they're kind of just going. They make lateral moves. It's what they do, and that the Pistons did that for a long time too, but. Yeah, I'm not sure. Again, sure they're they've won eight out of their first eleven games of the season. Maybe the somehow the Spencer Dinwiddie fit and you know guys like Rui Hachimura are suddenly turning it around there. But I just I don't think it lasts. And I think you know they'll probably make the playoffs, but I, I don't know. I'd see them still being like a seven or eight seed. Like I don't see them beating a team like Brooklyn. Definitely not. Definitely not beating Milwaukee. I don't see them beating Miami. I don't see them beating the Sixers. Uh, I don't even see them beating Chicago. Like, I just, I don't think it lasts. And the other team that I'll say briefly is the New York Knicks. And they're right now in seventh in the East. But I, I still don't understand how last year they got the five seed or four seed or whatever they were. Because, you know, they just don't really have a star. You know what I mean? Like, Julius Randle is good. 
But other than that, they don't really have an actual star. And I'm not really sure how that, that, how that works this season. And we already saw it last night against the Bucks. They got killed. Um, and so I don't think they can really compete with the better teams. Like, again, maybe, okay, maybe with the Knicks, they'll probably stay around the seventh seed. I could see that happening, unlike the Wizards, who I think will just fall apart a little bit. But I don't, you know, I don't see them really doing anything in the playoffs, at least. Um, no, just to go off on that Wizards point, I think they could be like the Knicks of last year, where it's like a team with not much talent just overachieves and gets to like the four seed if they do, but then they're not going to do crap. They're not going to do shit in the playoffs. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, no, could, that's I the same. Like your your point about your point about the Knicks too, with not having a star, is the exact same reason. Like, or part of my reasoning with the Bulls too. Yeah, no, that's definitely fair. And yeah, I mean, sure, the Wizards, like, they can, you know, throw a parade for getting the sixth seed. Like, you know, I know us Pistons fans used to get so happy about getting the eighth seed, but at the end of the day, if you're not going for the championship, what are you really doing? Right. Because they don't really have a, a great future in terms of the players that they have. So I don't know. You know, best maybe they, they get a sixth seed and then just get slacked by the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know. So. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, uh, do you guys have anything else to add? Any predictions, I guess, maybe for quick predictions for the Cavs game tomorrow? I think the Pistons actually will lose the game, but I think Cade will have a better game than Evan Mobley. That's my that's my money. That's my big money prediction. <laughs> I'm kind of excited about it, honestly. Just the the matchup between Sexton and Cade or Garland and Cade is just going to be interesting because I do think those two players are also rising stars. Yeah, it'll definitely be a fun one to watch for sure. I'm going to go with the Pistons actually winning that game. I do think Cade is going to cook a little bit because Sexton's not a great defender, uh, nor is Darius Garland. So I think Cade has a pretty good game. But certainly, you know, that'll be a fun one to watch as well as the matchups with um, Scotty Barnes and then Davion Mitchell down the line too. So that will uh, wrap it up for this episode of the Three Rings podcast. Um, We thank you all for listening per usual. Uh, Go follow us, subscribe on Spotify. Follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, um, by the Three Rings podcast username. And we will likely be back next week. It'll probably be a little bit more of, you know, overall NBA content. But, yes, sir, thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Shout out Miles Bridges. (laughs) Peace. (laughs)